0: session is titled Prayer Structures, different templates that the Lord has given us through history in the Bible on how to pray, different types of prayer styles. Uh, but to introduce this, I would like to first of all say that God created man to fellowship with him. That's the first thing God did. Prayer is therefore our vehicle for that fellowship, Okay. Prayer is also a two-way communication between man and his creator, God. It's a two-way communication. We pray to accomplish several things. The first one is the need of our Heavenly Father to fellowship with us. We're told in Genesis that God used to come down in the cool of the evenings to take a walk with Adam. Amen? Amen. Amen? So God actually created man to fellowship with him, to have a relationship with him. Secondly, we pray to ask for our needs from the Father. These include our needs and those of others. Jesus commanded his disciples in Luke chapter 11 verse 9 to ask and to receive, to seek and find, to knock and to have the door opened to them. We are to do likewise. We also pray by listening quietly in order to hear from God. Sometimes a lot of us, say a quick prayer and run off there should be a quiet time after prayer to listen in case the lord is going to give you a quick reply amen Amen. so it's important to understand that we have to have a quiet time to listen to what the, the lord is saying in the spirit fourthly we pray to thank god for answered prayers okay sometimes we have to go back to say thank you lord for this i prayed for this a couple of years ago I can see that in the physical. I can see the fruition, and I'm, I'm grateful. Fifthly, we'll pray, we pray to praise and to worship God. We'll, have, we'll delve into that a lot more with Adele and IJ when they come up with their sections tonight. Number six, we'll pray to strengthen ourselves as we undergo difficult, different situations. Um, that is basic. Most of us only get to our knees when all else have failed. Amen. And, you know, we've tried everything else and it hasn't worked. That's when we remember that the Lord is there. But he wants us to come to him anyway, however we are. Okay, whatever state we find ourselves in, we should remember that he's there just waiting to answer our prayers. So our question tonight is, how can we pray? I'll be showing on prayer structures tonight. And I pray that the Lord will guide us and teach us even as we learn at his feet in the name of Jesus. I've taken four different styles of prayer in scripture. The first one I've titled traditional prayer style. And there we'll be looking at Psalm 100 verse 4. And that says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Thanksgiving is given for life itself the things we take for granted. Amen? That's what Thanksgiving is for. For shelter, for family, for God's mercy. But praise, on the other hand, is for what he's done for us, for his blessings. A good job, a home, favor, protection, health. And that's where we actually enter into his courts. The Old Testament style of prayer was that there was that The gates when you get into the temple had a gate had a compound and you get into that temple that's where you give your thanksgiving and then as you move into his courts that's where you give your praise now worship is something else as you delve you you step into the holy of holies that's where worship happens and i know that uh ij will be sharing about worship later on but basically what happens in the holy of holies is you are worshiping god you are acknowledging him for who he is, not for what he's done for you, not for what you expect him to do for you, just for being God. That's where you praise him. That's where you extol him. That's where you exalt his name. Now, this is, for those of us who really want to pray, you go into Thanksgiving, you praise, and then you worship before you even ask God for whatever it is you're coming before him for. Remember, he knows the hearts of every person. Amen? Amen. He knows our hearts. He knows what our needs are. And sometimes we don't need to ask. The second prayer style is the Lord's Prayer style. And this is the most popular. And that's as depicted in Luke chapter 11, verses 2 to 4. And all of us know the Lord's Prayer. But I've tried to break it up into segments for us to understand those different dimensions of praise of thanksgiving of worship of asking for your needs forgiving uh, those who've hurt you and of asking for protection amen so our father in heaven our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name these two i've kind of put together uh, to declare his majesty and it's the same thing we did in the in the traditional prayer style you get into uh, asking god for something you first praise him you first acknowledge that he is Lord. He sits in the heavens. Amen? Amen? He sits in the heavens and the earth is his footstool. He's so mighty that it's, it's just awesome coming into his presence. And if not for the sacrifice of Christ we'll be destroyed with our sins just to come before him. The next line says, thy kingdom come thy will be done as in heaven so in the earth. You declare your submission to him in all things. So, first of all, you're acknowledging his majesty, his position, his glory. That's where the names and the attributes of God come in. And Adele will be sharing with that, sharing on that later on. But that's where you, you call God the names that he is. You're mighty, you're my peace, you're my shield, you're my deliverer, you're my healer, you're my strength. In all those beautiful names that we'll learn of God, that's where they come in at the beginning of a prayer session when you're trying to get in, into his presence. How many of us, I know that when my daughter comes to me and says, hey, dad, you know, you're so handsome. I know she wants something. Amen? Yeah, she doesn't have to ask me for something. I know. And once she says that, I say, what do you want? It's the same thing with our heavenly father. He knows what we want. And When you come in to say, hey, Lord, you're awesome. You're the creator of the heavens and the earth. There is no one like you. You're the one that says, let there be and there is. Amen? As you begin to say that, our Father in heaven is just, all he's doing is, he's just pulling at the stakes. He wants to say, come on, come on, come out with it. Let me, let me bless you. Amen? Amen? We bring pleasure to him when we remind him of who he is. How mighty and loving and merciful and kind and gracious that he is. And that's, we, we have to follow that principle. Now, when you finish praising God and telling him all those things, it's time to now ask. Give us today our daily bread. Amen? That's when you ask for your needs. And I said here, be careful of asking for things that are frivolous or things that are ungodly. Amen? Our needs are different from our desires. If you're asking for a new car, so your neighbor will be envious of you then I don't know whether that's the right motive, amen? You've got to ask for your needs. You've got to be prepared to do things so that your neighbor doesn't stumble. Because all of us are God's children, and he wants us to eventually be in eternity with him. And that's the bottom line. For those who don't believe, for those who don't know how to pray, for those who are on a different spiritual level from you, the bottom line is we're all God's children, and we should take care of our actions our possessions, whatever it is that will cause them to stumble, we should try as much as possible not to do that. And that comes with praying for our needs also. Your motives have to be right. If you're praying for a car because you need a car, then that's fine. But if you're praying for a Lamborghini so your neighbor won't sleep, then that's something else. Amen? Now he says, Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us now we have to be careful here you have to ask yourselves is this claim correct have we really forgiven all those who have hurt us have we or who have offended us and most times if we're truthful to ourselves the answer is no and that's when you take a break to remedy that situation you take a break to go back and say you know what in the spirit lord i forgive this my cousin or this my friend or this my co-worker that hurt me, that do this, you know, Lord, I forgive them. Before I come to your presence to ask for things, because he expects us to forgive in order to be forgiven. Amen? And you can't claim to have forgiven everybody if you've not made a conscious effort to say, and for those that can't remember, Lord God, help me to forgive and to forget and to let it go. That's when you can actually ask God, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Lead us not into temptation. You see, knowing that you've received, you have to understand that exercising your faith here means asking God to protect you from the temptations that come from receiving. Okay? There are temptations that come from being blessed. There are people who have asked God for riches, for promotion, and they besiege the church, and they're always asking pastor to pray for them and to, you know, send in prayer requests. As soon as they receive any of that, they start coming to church once a month. It's not convenient. I have a meeting in D.C., I have a meeting in, I'm going to Slovenia tomorrow. Suddenly, it's not convenient. So, we have to be very careful about that. You ask God, you know, to, not, to, not to lead you into temptation. There are certain situations we we'll find ourselves in. A lot of stuff is good. Having stuff is good. But not every stuff you have is good for you. What I mean is, by the time God blesses you with certain things, you find that you don't have as much time for him as you used to. So we should take that into cognizance as we pray for things. We begin to get arrogant. The, The trappings of the affluent. The trappings of the rich. There's a certain arrogance, a hard heart inability to give to others i've worked hard for this and a fiercely competitive spirit these things are all things that are associated with people who are very successful it's all about i did this i worked hard you forgot that you asked god for this and he blessed you and so sometimes god actually slows down about giving us things because he knows that those things are not good for us at this point in time amen it doesn't mean that he doesn't intend to give us those things. It means that we're not quite ready. Just like some of us, your kid is 16, he wants a car. Amen? You know that he's not quite ready. He can drive, but he doesn't have the strength of character to say no. Okay? To his friends or to her friends. Or, and so the parent says, no, 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 I'll wait a year or two to get more mature before I give you that. The same with our Heavenly Father. He sees the things he can give us today that will cause us to derail. And that's where patience comes in. Finally, deliver us from evil. You have to understand that when God has blessed you and given you everything that you've asked him of, and you're using those things he's given you for the glory of his kingdom, you become open. You become a target for the enemy. Amen? You're using your riches and your blessings to glorify God. And believe me, the devil isn't going to just sit down quietly and watch you. The attacks are going to come. So when you're praying, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you ask for all these things and you receive them. Remember to take that next step in faith to say, protect me from the attacks of the enemy that will come for someone who is not only successful, but uses the, his resources for the kingdom. Now the third prayer style is the temple prayer style. And that we we'll see in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I'm sure a lot of us know that. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. If my people, first thing is you must belong to god are you a child of god because this prayer is for his children it's not for those who are not his children if my people have you accepted christ as your lord and your savior do you walk in accordance to the dictates of the lord can you rightfully and and sincerely say that you're a child of god that's the first proviso there which are called by my name. You're not only a child of God in secret, but in public. You have to be able to stand up for Christendom, for Christ. The fruits of the Holy Spirit must be seen in you. Amen? They must be seen in you. Which are called by my name. People look at you and they feel the glory of God. They know that this person is a Christian. Somehow, we just know. So you must be you must belong to God, you must be called by his name. Then he asks you to humble yourselves. God says that a proud look a man who is proud is destined for a fall. Amen? Okay, pride goes before destruction. And God chose Moses in scripture to lead his people because he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Humility is is a condition that God cherishes so much. It's something he wants in anybody he wants to use. You've got to be humble. And if you're praying to God, you have to not only belong to him, you must humble yourself. It's when you do that, And you can actually now pray to him, ask him for whatever it is. You have to ask humbly. None of us deserves anything. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He says there is not one righteous. No one righteous. No, not one. Not one person is. All our righteousness are like filthy rags before him. When you understand that, then you begin to approach his throne of grace with humility. Because the benchmark for measuring holy living or righteous living is a benchmark, is a level of our Lord Jesus Christ, not of man. And none of us, none of us can claim to be at that level. And that's why when we are privileged to come into his presence, we're coming with humility. Amen? Amen. Now he says, you must seek my face, be diligent and patient as you wait for God's answer. Seeking someone's face means persisting, as you ask. You haven't received an answer to your petition, but you are persistent. Amen? Amen. The Bible also tells us, gives us a story in Scripture about the importunate widow, the lady who kept harassing the judge to vindicate her. And finally, the judge who didn't fear God or man said, You know what? I better give this woman what she wants before she wears me down. That's the same way. God expects us to keep asking and asking and not to give up. Most of us give up. I've prayed about this for two or three years. I'm done. No. Because God is going to answer your prayers in his appointed time. Not in your time. Remember, you're his child. He knows what's good for you. He knows that if I give you this at this time, you can mishandle it. That's the God we serve. He's full of wisdom and knowledge. And we've got to trust that he knows what's best for us. The Father says, and turn from their wicked ways. This is repentance again, just as we talked about in the Lord's Prayer and we talked about in, uh, in uh, the traditional prayer style. You have to, it's not enough to say, I'm sorry about this and then tomorrow you go back and do it again and again and again. You've got to learn to have the resolve to turn away from whatever it is that displeases God. That's true repentance. A lot of us say we're sorry and we're back, we go back to our misdeeds. God doesn't like that. And he sees the heart. He says when you do that, he will hear from heaven. He will forgive your sin and he will heal your land. Healing your land, I make a special emphasis on this healing of the land because A lot of us, when you're going through stuff, you lose things. Amen? Okay? You lose certain blessings, certain privileges. It might be in health. It might be in physical resources, financial resources. Whatever it is, you've lost. But when God says he will heal your land, he won't just stop the affliction. But he will restore to you what the enemy has taken from you. That is the healing of the land that is is mentioned here. Those that are God's people, not only does God stop the affliction, but he restores. This takes us to the Jabez prayer. And this is one of my favorite prayers because uh, when I read that book by, uh, I think it's Wilkinson, Bruce Wilkinson, a couple of years ago, it just changed my life. I know that a lot of us here have read that book, the Jabez prayer. Uh, It's a a prayer of someone who is full of faith. Okay? It's asking for something with utmost faith. Utmost belief that it's done. Alright? Asking for things that will support the sustenance of the first wish and for things that will protect us from defaming God and being a bad example for Christendom. Meaning that you're not only asking God to do certain things for you, but you're going to the next step. What if he does this for me, he does this for me. By praying for the next and the next and the next, you are taking it as a done deal that your first prayer point is done, is, is, is already accepted by God and he sent his response. He says, bless me indeed, asking for imaginable, unimaginable blessings or breakthroughs enlarge my coast, asking for more areas of influence to bless others, to glorify God, that your hand will be with me, asking to administer the blessings in a godly manner, to be a good steward. Because really, when God blesses you, you're just a steward. None of us is going to go to the grave with our riches. Are we? None of us. So, when God blesses you, he's actually giving you his resources for you to pass on to To others who might be in need it says that thou will keep me from evil that you may not grieve me what i'm saying here now is prayer number two which is enlarge my coast actually shows that you believe that prayer number one is on the way the answers to prayer number one is on the way prayer number three likewise shows that you believe that god has answered prayer number two that your hand will be with me a man who prayed for huge blessings Who prayed for God's hand to be with him? Amen? Amen. Amen. Who prayed for an enlargement of his coast is now saying, Lord, let your hand be with me. Direct me on how I'm going to use this larger area of influence. Direct me on how I'm going to use this enlarged coast, these blessings to bless your people. So it's a huge prayer of faith for us all. We need to understand For example, you're asking God for a child. Let's say you've been married for five years and you're believing God for a child. I gave this example a couple of days ago as we were talking about. Um, you're believing God for a child. Your prayer should be, Lord, give me a child. And in giving me a child, Lord, please give us a bigger house because this house is not big enough for a child to, to raise a child in. Amen. Um, We'll drive a little coupe right now. Lord, can you give us a minivan? Because we're going to need... Now, that is someone who already knows that the Lord has answered the prayer for a child. And is moving on to other needful things that will come with actually having that child. Amen? Amen. That's what the prayer of Jabez is all about. It's the prayer of a man or a woman who knows that the first prayer point is done and that there are fallbacks or there are... um, There are other things that come with the answer to that prayer. I've got about two minutes to go. I'm going to ask anybody in the audience here to give me a prayer point. Does anybody here have a prayer point? Go on. Well, old Christians here, so, you know, we all have needs. Can somebody just give me one prayer point just to demonstrate? Yes, ma'am. okay and his health okay Um, the question I'll ask you now is is it a terminal thing okay so you're asking for a healing for your father okay let's just say that the illness he's going through now has reduced him to a state where he can't walk he's in a wheelchair just for just for the example okay so you're saying you know father heal my father OK? cost him to regain his tre- the strength and his legs to walk. He lost his job because he couldn't good work, right? Give him a new job. Now that's an example of Jabez's style of prayer. You're going from one level to the other, because you already understand and accept that God has answered that first prayer. In closing, I'll say that Hannah prayed for a child. And he said, Lord, when you give me this child, I will give him back to you to serve you all the days of his life. That's an example. My prayer for us is that as we go on through the night that the Lord will speak to each and every one of us and encourage us to speak up. To open our hearts to him and let him know exactly what ails us, what our needs are. And to give us a heart that is right before him so we can ask with the right motive. God bless you.
1: Okay, so my name's Adele Little. I haven't met everybody and we're so glad that you're here. My portion for tonight is talking about tips for praying deeper. And I think all of us would like to do that. Some of us have gone through seasons, I sure have, where... I'm in in a season of great prayer where I'm connecting with God, and it seems like I am doing it often and deeply, and then others where it seems that I hardly seem to have the discipline and the time to get with God. And so we may go through seasons. I don't know where your season is, but I'm hoping that tonight, all of us are hoping that through this time, even if it's things that we already know or have already heard, that we're encouraged, reminded, inspired to talk to God more and to maybe learn some things or to practice some things that we haven't done before. So um, it has been said that a powerless, a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. And I believe that's true. Over my time of having a walk with God, I've found that if I don't pray, I don't experience the power of God. I don't see it, it's not recognizable. And God has given us this great joy, this great privilege of prayer, of being able to talk with Him, and it is our life breath with Him. It's our connection. It's reading His Word, and it's talking to Him. And if we don't have that, then we don't get to experience His power. Sometimes we find ourselves wondering, is God really moving if we pray? And so... We may start to ask, well is it worth it? Should I is it even does it even matter if I pray? And so I'd like to remind us that we have reasons that we do pray. So why should we pray? And the number one thing is because our prayers do move God. He says that if you confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that pray for one another that you may be healed, the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. He wants us to accomplish much. He's given this as a way for us to accomplish much through us. And if we look at the Bible, we see that when people prayed, some great miracles happened. And those things are available to us as well. If we look in the Old Testament, if we look at like Moses... When he prayed to God and he held his hands up, as long as he held his hands up, then Israel was winning at the war. And when his hands fell down from fatigue, then Israel started to lose. And he had people holding his hands up. And that's the way we should be also when we pray, that we we have the strength to pray, but when we fatigue, that we've got people around us that can help us and that we can win the victories that we're fighting and the struggles that we're facing and help each other in that. In the New Testament... Peter was in jail, and the church gathered together. So let's just imagine that we're the church in the New Testament, and the church gathers together and prays for Peter to be released. And as a result of those folks' prayers, then an angel of the Lord came, and the shackles fell off, and he walked out of there it was a miracle. And God tells us that we have miracles waiting, but he cannot answers, answer prayers unless they've been prayed. So we're moved to pray. If we look at a more current example, I read this story and and thought it was so cool. There was a pastor in Colorado and there were fires that were raging in his neighborhood and it threatened them, so they had to evacuate. And being a pastor, he knew at that time that the youth group was gathered at the church to pray, so he called the children's minister and asked the kids to pray for him and his family that their home would be saved. And so the kids gathered to pray when he returned back to his home, the fire had gone all the way on either side of the house, burned everything around it in that one building, his home, was remaining. And even the lamp post near the front door was, was melted because the fire got that close, but their home was saved. So how do you explain that other than prayer? And, and here was not only a group of people praying, it was youth. And so what God's looking for is a humble heart. He's looking for somebody to bow their hearts and to pray an earnest prayer and believe. And it's really as simple as that. And so we've got to know that when we pray that the heavens are stirred and God's heart is moved and, and that it does matter. And as Eric talked about this morning, we may have to be patient and to wait. We may not get that answer as quickly as Pastor Bill did with his house being saved, It it may not be immediate that we see it. Like Kenny was talking about, we may have to pray and pray and keep praying for years, but we pray in faith, and we know that God is working. And I bet many of you could testify to the same thing, that when we pray for years, then later down the line, we'll recognize, God, you did it. Wait, I prayed about that. You did it. And that's the neat thing about having a journal book where we can write down prayers so many prayers I've missed out on writing down, but some of them that I've written down and I go back years later and I see that God has worked and that builds my faith. And it's, it's such a great practice. Many of you in this room, I look out, y'all could be up here, Sarah, and so many great tips. And at the end, I'm going I'm to ask you for those because there's so many things that we can share with each other to encourage one another in, in our prayer life. The second reason to pray is God's presence is real. When, when we meet with God in prayer, he meets with us. I think it's so cool that when I stop my world long enough to stop and really talk to him, not just throw up a prayer and hope it gets caught, because I, I do plenty of those. We, we do that as we go along the day. But when I stop long enough to think about what I'm praying and to pray it, and mean it i feel it's like god's hand is reaching down and grabbing my prayers and that presence just comes over me and it's a wave it's it's just it falls on me and and if you know it you you know how it feels it feels so good you you can't get that anywhere else it is god's presence that has come down and you realize that the connection has been made and it's real and then the faith is built all right God you just caught that prayer I can release it to you you've got this and I'm not going to stop praying about it but I'm believing that you've got this and that's pretty cool it's when we can experience his peace his comfort all the things that scripture talks about and we hear people talking about that's when I have personally felt it the most now I feel it when I'm at church and when I'm with a group but For me, the times that I have felt God the most are when it's just me and God, and I think that encourages us to spend time alone with him. The third reason is our testimony and fellowship begins with prayer, that we will have nothing to testify about if we don't meet with God and talk to him. There, there will be no answers to prayer that we personally have experienced. There won't be that experience that we've had with him to share about. And so we should be sharing. As Village Church, we should be talking about our daily prayer life and what's going on. We should be sharing stories of what he's done and prayers that he's answered. And so I'd like to encourage us to do that and do more of it. We, in our small groups, but also at work and wherever we go, that we're talking about what's happening in our life with God so that it becomes real to somebody else. And through that, that's where we're, we get to share who he really is authentically. The next reason is prayer cleanses us. And Ken A had talked about that in the prayer structures. It is essential, really. Um, If we want to know sometimes when our prayers aren't getting heard, then we've got to go back and check ourselves. And in your handout, there's some scriptures that are listed because if our prayers aren't getting heard, it's either us or that we've got to wait. So it could be that we've got sin in our lives, and it could be that there's disobedience. It could be that there is the wrong motives that we're praying. It could be that we're being hypocritical. Or praying just so somebody else will hear the prayer and we really don't mean it to God. And then what surprised me was finding the scripture about marital problems hindering prayers. And that scripture says that husbands live in understanding with your wives so your prayers will not be hindered. So even our relationships, if we are not right with God, if we are not right with others, then we have to examine that if our prayers aren't getting answered. And before we come to him, we need to be repenting before him. I think since we're going to pray in a few minutes, that we might just take a minute to do that. Let's just bow our hearts before God and think of anything that, that is, might be hindering our prayers. And let's take care of that right now. Father God, we come to you humbly with our hearts bowed before you recognizing that you are an almighty, holy, and just God. And Lord, there is nothing that we can do except by your permission and by your power. We pray that you would forgive us of the sins that we have committed, of anything that is unclean, impure, unrighteous. And if we have something against someone else, that we will take care of that quickly. Lord, I ask you, wash us, wash us with the water of your word, with the cleansing power of your spirit, and bring our hearts into right relationship with you, and I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. So when does he hear us? He hears us when we call upon him in truth, and that's a verse from Psalm 145, Um that he promises to us. He says, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all, aco- all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. So this may be a verse somebody needs tonight that we may feel like God isn't hearing our prayers, but he does and he hears our cries and he captures our tears and when we fear him, he wants to fulfill our desires. He wants to do that, and I love knowing that. And the last reason we have tonight, why should we pray, is that God, he just directs us. When we don't know where to go or what to do, then he lets us know. And I think that is um, so comforting. I was talking with a friend recently, and so like in some big decisions that our family has had, I have had some definitive answers, and it has changed the course for us. Um, others, I've prayed and prayed, and I've just gotten only a sense, you know, not a direct writing in the sky kind of answer. And, and for that, a friend said, you know, God doesn't always say that plan A is the only way. He does give us options. And so he gives us variety, so I think we, we might always, we might not try to box him in and say that, God, I, I want, what is plan A and only A? I've got to know that plan. He may give us options and then let us play it out. But we need to know that if he's given us the peace about it, if the word lines up with it, and through repetitive prayers, he's given us an answer, we also can align it with some wise advice. If we know and he affirms that as someone that, that he is using, in our lives, then we can advance. But He will direct us through His Word, through His peace, through talking back to us. And so if we're anxious about anything, if we are needing to make a decision, and I think all of us have a decision of some sort to make, whether it's buying a car or changing jobs or do we need to talk to somebody about something. Whatever it is, we've got decisions to make this week, and those are things that we should be bringing before the Lord on a regular basis. So the power of prayer is ours, and to pray deeper, we want to use God's word. And so what we're going to talk about next is how to pray God's word and, and what that looks like. God says that his word is inspired, it's living and breathing. So there is really nothing more powerful than praying his word back to him. It is his His will and his desire. And so we want to use the Bible to pray. We can really go anywhere in the Bible and turn it into a prayer. If you've got a devotional and that's where you are for that day, then look at that and see how you, how you can turn it into a prayer. And I've got some examples for us that are in your handouts. So if you've If you're with somebody and you can share to look at them, there's a table, and the first verse is in the first box, and it says, Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's a great verse. That's a promise. That if we, he gives us the power to bind on earth, and to loosen heaven. He's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so this is a verse that we ought to use. The way that we can personalize it is to think of, okay, well, what do we need to be bound on earth and what do we need to be loosed in heaven? And who would that apply to? So we would personalize it by saying, God, your word says you have given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, we bind this spirit of pride or fear In the name of Jesus, and ask you to loose your Holy Spirit to invade whoever we're praying for their house, their office, their car, their mind, their heart, their life. In the name of Jesus, we can pray that, and we can pray it with authority because it's His Word. And so that gives power to our prayers. And when we utter that, then we can believe that it will be answered, and we will watch for the answer. And when we get it, we will rejoice. Let's go to the second one. The second verse is John eight thirty two. It says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so we think, I want you to think right now, somebody that you know that needs to be set free, that needs to know the truth. Okay, and get them in your mind. And so we would pray, Father, please pursue whoever that is with your truth and open their hearts so that they can receive it and hear it and turn things around and that you free them, your desire is to set captives free. And so that's just a simple, simple illustration of how we can personalize prayer. There's three more examples down below. So the last portion is some more tips for praying deeper. And you may already know these and practice these, but, but some of you may not, or again, we're hoping that this is a resource that we can then share with others. The first tip is pray aloud. You know, I grew up thinking that the only way to pray was silently and with your eyes closed, and the only people that prayed aloud were the deacons in the church, and it was a total revelation for me when I started to see that other people prayed, like all day, and out loud, and with their eyes open. So, it was really in my twenties when I discovered this. That's when my my prayer life and my spiritual walk just took off. And I can tell you where I was. I was. It was my first real job, and I had met a coworker in the hallway, and. Um, he was telling me about a need, a struggle that he was going through, and it was really a step for me to even say, I will pray for you. And as I turned around and walked back to my office, God said to me, pray now. And I'm like, okay, I don't have to wait till I get back home? Nope, pray now. And so I did. I prayed with my eyes open, going back to my office, and, and when I prayed for him, I'm like, okay, check, done. I don't have to remember it later. I've already done it. It's given to God. And so that began where I started praying without ceasing, praying all day. And we can do that uh, when we're driving, when we're at the doctor's office, when we're at a ball game. Wherever we are, we can pray. And um, I think that that opens us up to a lot of opportunities, some more tips that we'll talk about next week. But the praying with your eyes open and praying out loud, the out loud part helps keep us focused. I mean, how many of y'all have fallen asleep or started to doze off praying? Be honest. (laughs) I'm getting more nods. That's good. We do. I mean, it's hard to stay focused and to get a full sentence out. So when we pray out loud, we get to finish our sentences, and it means that we mean it. It's like when we, when we just think it, there's one level, but when we say it, then it's, it's another level to let it be spit out of our mouth and, and then get launched. And so um, another thing that it does is Satan and his demons have to flee when we speak God's word they have to flee. So we are resisting Satan. When we speak his word out loud and we pray by the authority of Jesus and in his name, then we are resisting Satan. And that is very powerful. Okay, the last thing is praying organized. And this is just something that I have found in my life. I got a notebook kind of similar to this a, a good while back and it organized prayers by praying for your church, praying for your nation, praying for your family and different things and it it formed my prayer life because I had never thought to pray that specifically and that organized and so then it evolved and so now um, what I use is something that I developed. I realized that I was praying the same prayers, scriptures that I had found for our nation, for our church, for my children, for my husband, for our extended family members. I had scriptures that I was claiming for them and I wanted to keep praying them and be able to note when I got the answers. So I actually typed them out. And it has kept me organized. It keeps me focused when I have something to read. And when I have 15 minutes to pray, I get right to work with God. And he still allows his Holy Spirit to work. It's not like this is just a rote prayer. This is from my heart. And I allow him to bring more things to pray to mind. so I'll end up writing on this and expanding it and, and redoing it and evolving it and so forth. But I, I suggest having a guide, something in front of you to use. Because if we just rely on our memory, and we can't capture it all. We don't have all those scriptures right there. So have, some, have your Bible and have a guide of some sort or something in front of you to help make the most of your time. So My name is
2: I.J. I'm also in the prayer team, and I thank God for the opportunity to minister in this church um, in that group. I'm going to be speaking about worship, which is a topic that's very dear to me, and um, sometimes I just get carried away. I like getting carried away. So I'll try and stick to the agenda in your, in your uh, book you'll have a sheet that says, um, worship. And at the back of that, I'll just draw your attention to another small card with some suggested songs. Cause sometimes people ask what, you know, how can I worship? How can I create a mood of worship? And I have a few songs there that have, uh, that I find dear to myself and to some of the other uh, prayer team members. So you can, Go to YouTube or iTunes or wherever you get your music and just check up some of those songs. They're really, really blessed uh, songs. So what is worship? The definition of worship is sometimes a bit nebulous. Um, The typical definition says it's given um, glory or, or adoration or homage to somebody of royalty. And if we go back to the meaning of the word, going to root meaning of the word, it means worth-ship or worthy-ship, uh, saying to somebody or ascribing to somebody or something that they are worthy of your time. So with that in mind, um, uh, we worship God. Um, the Bible tells us in Psalm 99, 5, that we shall exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. It's something that we need to do. And there are several words in the Bible that are translated as worship. One of them means to to pay homage. Another one means to lay down, prostrate, face down, in front of God. Um, another word means to to kiss. Another mean another word means um, something like to to um, you know like you come home and your dog licks your hand and just generally you know put yourself down before God. That's what that word means. So worship is both a, a, a feeling and an expression of that feeling. So um, if you like, you can say it's an attitude, and expression of the attitude to show to God or something that you value that it is valuable to you. We worship God, but we can also show those um, same types of sentiments to other people. Um, for instance, to royalty, I'm sure we've all, not all of us have been to Buckingham Palace, but we have seen pictures or watched videos of People coming before the Queen of England, and there's a certain way you walk, and a certain way you're expected to bow, or you know, you don't shake her hand, you kiss it, you know, all of that. That is showing a form of worship. You're you're, you're showing to the Queen that she she has she carries a certain bearing that, and you appreciate that. Um, we also do that to judiciary, right? I'm, I, I in courts. We call some of the judges Your Honour, Your Worship and that's showing them that we, we, we appreciate them. Um, we can also do it when we're not aware that we're doing it to our possessions or other people. I don't go to ball games much, but I do watch a lot of them. Man, there's a lot of worship going on there. You know, there's a lot of waving of hands and when the score people lay on the ground, they scream. That is, if you wanna see that, that's worship. Okay, so maybe you're not so wild as to go to a ball game How about that piece of jewelry that, you know, is really expensive and really glitters and you open up your jewelry box and you look at it and go, you know, or you open that box on Christmas Day or anniversary and, you know, that's worship, okay? And now, so now we know what worship is. But today we're going to talk about worshiping God because that's who we need to worship and he actually warns us very carefully that he's very jealous and that we're not to worship anybody else but him. So how do we worship? Um, why do we worship God? And you can write down if you want if, if there are tips or scriptures you want to add there. We worship because God is worthy of worship. He's worthy. He is, he's glorious. He has honor. He has majesty higher than anything else that we know, higher than the queen of England or the king of Spain. And um, Psalm 24 from verse 7 to 10 and a whole lot of Psalms tells us that God is the king of glory. And he is mighty in battle. Um, we, are also, we also worship because we are created for worship. We learned about in, in Genesis when God created Adam and he would come down and Adam would walk with God. And the only time that he was not able to walk with God was when he had sinned and he couldn't face God. First um, Peter 2.9 tells us we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood and we are created to show forth God's praise and God's worship. And that's why we're created. That's what we're made to do. There's a, a song that I love. We sing in this church. It, it goes, um, you and I were made to worship. And every time I hear that song, I don't know if the choir sees me, but I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what we're made for. We worship because we love God's presence. We love God's presence. Um, Psalm 63, 5 says, my soul is satisfied. Adele just mentioned, that praising God feels good. Prayer feels good. If you struggle with depression, if you struggle with fear, there is a place that you can get to where you feel good every time. And it doesn't matter what's going on around you. I can assure you, you're going to feel good when you get into the place of worship. You can be in jail. You're going to feel good in the place of worship. You can be sick on your deathbed. You're going to feel good in the place of worship. I, I heard a testimony a brother that was in a church that was in, I was in many years ago was dying of, of cancer. And um, we were praying mile, thousands of miles away and people were praying all over the country. And his wife was with him in, and when he went to be with the Lord. And when she returned and started telling us the story, she said, I, I know everybody was praying. And this was a young man in the 30s. I know everybody was praying for him to be healed, but... Um, Right as I was there, herself, as she was there praying for him to be healed, she said she looked up and she looked at his face. And she, she realized that he was no longer with her. He was looking up, he was smiling, he was singing, and he was no longer saying amen to her prayers for his healing. So she realized that he was in a place where he just wanted to be. So that p- place that we, we, we strive to get to in worship, it is a, a beautiful place. It's a place where we have joy. And if we can be there as often as possible, it's going to, to feed into the rest of our lives. We, we know about Paul and Silas who, who were in jail, in chains, and they prayed and they praised. And while they were in there, the Bible says things began to happen. And, and they, they got out of there. There was a joy and there was a, a sound that was coming out from their praises that even the jailers came in and was wondering what, they were wondering what was happening in there. So that's a good place to be. Okay, That's my happy place, and I hope it, it will become uh, yours too. We worship God because there are blessings to be a worshiper. We've heard about, about um, the joy that comes from being in God's presence. Psalm 91, and I want you to write that down. Go back home, study Psalm 91. That psalm starts with, He that dwells in the sacred place of the Most High. And then it goes into 16 or so verses of, all of the things that come from being in God's presence. it says, God hears that person and answers him. He protects him and delivers that person. There's health in God's presence. There's direction and wisdom. There's long life. He says, with long life, I will satisfy him. It starts off with, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, and it ends with, with long life, I will satisfy you. I think every one of us has prayers that can feed into this psalm alone. But it begins with dwelling in God's secret place and what is the relationship of worship to prayer two ways first of all the goal of prayer is worship if you flip back in your in your book to the page that has um, a colored diagram um, with the traditional prayer we learn from the Old Testament we learn from uh, from the is- Israelites the way that God wants us to relate to him now true we're not Jews but we learn from their practices, how God wants to relate with us today. And if we look at the way the temple was built, when people came to God's presence, they first started, they had to go in through the gates with thanksgiving, then they had to enter his courts with praise. And then after that, a select few were allowed to step beyond that into the holy of holies. Only the priests could get in there and that's where they gave worship. And then only one priest could go even further into the place called the holy place. And Jesus tells us that he has opened all of those gates, courts, doors, all the way into the holy place for worship. And that's where we find ourselves whenever we start to worship God. So the goal of prayer is to get into that holy place. And also worship is a form of prayer because remember we learned earlier today that prayer is communication. So if you're in God's presence and he's talking to you and you're talking to him, then and you're worshiping him then you're, pray- you're praying you're in prayer so where can we worship we worship in physical environments, and we worship in the spirit um, i'll start with the physical environment we are, we um we worship in church in corporate uh, worship the bible in hebrews 10 says warns us not to despise or put down the gathering or assembling of saints the Bible says we must assemble, we must come together, so we must worship as a group. So corporate worship is, is essential, God, pre- God actually wants us to do that. But, um, and, and in Deuteronomy 12, many verses there, um, God tells his people how to gather, how to come to him, so we can go back and review those verses. But the Bible says the hour has come, Jesus said it, the hour has come. And he tells us that God is a spirit. And so those who worship him have to worship him in spirit and in truth. So worshiping God in spirit is where we need to be. And the Bible also tells us that that temple that, that was built years back, thousands of years back, no longer exists. We are now his temple. So his, spir- his worship has to take place inside us, but also has to take place corporately as a group. Okay? So... Um, John 4, verse 23 to 26 is a verse I would like you to write down. If you don't have a pen, you can ask somebody for a pen and, and look at that. Worship God in spirit. But also, our physical environment is important. Now, what about attitudes? Well, attitude is your thoughts or your mind. So something that goes on inside, you would affect your behavior. If you're a teenager, you know what I'm talking about. You know that... You know... <laughs> or a mother, you know, whatever sound it is that you make, it comes out of the, the feeling, what, you know, what you're going through inside you that comes out as a behavior. So we have attitudes when we come to worship God. God, ex- God um, there are certain attitudes that show worship or that encourage worship. And there are other attitudes that don't encourage worship. So I'm not going to dwell on those ones, the negative ones. I'm going to dwell on the positive ones that encourage worship. Um, when we read through the, the scriptures and we see what are the attitudes that children of God showed when they worshipped, we, we find things like bowing. Okay, just like before the Queen of England, when you stand before her, you, you dip your head a little bit, or you curtsy, or whatever you're expected to do. Before God, we're expected to bow. Bowing shows submission. Correct. It shows that your body, physically or your mind, is subjected to this person. Is you're telling the person, "I agree." You're higher, I'm lower. We've heard a lot this evening about humility. Many of us have a hard time with with showing some of these attitudes. It might be pride in us. It might be whatever, you know, what you're used to seeing. But I, I think that if we could physically see God here, all of us here wouldn't have a problem bowing before him. Okay. So since we know that God is here in the spirit, I don't have a problem bowing before him. Amen. Okay. And... And uh, we see that a lot in the Bible. Um, we see that between David and Saul. We see it in Nehemiah. The people came before God after being thrown away and um, dispersed. And when they all came back together, the first thing they did was they bowed. Um, we also see an attitude of kneeling. Okay? Kneeling can be supplication, asking for something. Okay? Saying, also submitting yourself, but in asking God for something. Um, we see attitudes of dancing. We know about David who danced so hard that his clothes fell off him. Yeah, yeah. That's something, okay? You yeah. dance so hard before God that your clothes fall off. I'm sure none of us has ever been in danger of that. You know, at the best, maybe your, your coat fell off or your shawl. But, you know, I challenge any one of us to actually worship God so hard. You can do it in your closet. Don't have to be here. But... <laughs> But I challenge you, say, you know, say to God, you know what, I'm going to do it today, and let's see if he doesn't hear us. Um, we're asked to praise God with instruments, and we see that all the time here with stringed instruments. We're asked to go play, praise God with the trumpets, tambourines. Um, we're also asked to, to worship God through service. Another word that is, that is translated as worship it means service. Um, I'll refer you to Romans 1 uh, verse 9 in which Paul says, I serve God, I worship God with my spirit. And he's talking about ministering to people and spreading the gospel. Um, Another physical way, physical attitude is with hands up. We already heard Adele uh, told us about Moses, when Moses was praying and the children of God held his hands up and I'm gonna share something. Several years ago, I um, had some health issues and um, at the end of it, I, I was so weak. My muscles were so weak that I couldn't do a lot of things. and Eating was a, was a problem just to, you know, do this. But what hurt me the most was that I found that I couldn't raise my hands in church and keep my hands up. And I said, no, no, that wouldn't do it. Eating I can do without, you know, and a lot of things I can do without, but not raising my hands in church, um, you know, that's, that's a problem. And I, I took that to God in prayer, and it happened gradually. It happened over years. But every time that I can raise my hands, in a, you know, for a song or in praise, I remember, and I raise it even higher, because I know that there was a time I couldn't get it up this high. So if I can get it up this high, I'm going to take it even higher. You know, Amen. So um, hand, raising our hands up shows submission. Also, it shows appreciation. You can just express how, um, how good you feel inside you. I've seen that in, in stadia when, you know, you know, the wave. Anybody ever do a wave here? Yeah. Anybody ever be part of a wave here? It, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. So we also worship God through standing. Also in Nehemiah, we see a lot of that. The people stood when they heard God's word being, being read. They hadn't heard the, the, the Torah being read for many years because they were in, in slavery when they heard the Torah being read, they stood up. You know, it's kind of like you're saying, respect, I'm giving you the respect. And they stood up when they heard the word of God being read. I know that, you know, that, um, we, we do that, you know, here sometimes. Um, I also want to show another attitude of, um, of worship, um, drawing attention to the woman that was described in the book of Luke. This woman was a prostitute. She was, um, nobody had any kind of regard for her. And when she, when she met with Jesus, she was so touched that she, she wept. And she washed his feet with her tears. And she broke open a, a jar of perfume, ointment that was in an alabaster box. Um, alabaster was a fairly expensive um, vessel, so we know that any perfume that was in that box must have been fairly um, expensive. She broke it open and she anointed Jesus' feet with that. That was an act of worship. That said to Jesus, you are worthy of my most expensive possession. So that is worship. Whatever it is that we call our most expensive possession or our pride or our dignity, if we're ready in humility to bring it before Jesus, then we're in the place of worship. Um, Also, um, songs and worship, and this is where we're going to be rounding up very soon, but Songs uh, teach us a lot about worship. Songs bring us into the presence of God. I'm going to, I'm going to ask James to project one particular song. And whenever you hear a song, listen to the words. This song, um, also available iTunes, YouTube, YouTube song by Don Moen many years ago. This is a prayer. Lord, you seem so far away. And I'm sure many of us can identify with, with these words. A million miles. Or more it feels today, it feels like you're so far away. And though I haven't lost my faith, I must confess right now, it's hard for me to pray. And sometimes when it's hard for you to pray, it might be easier to sing. Your voice doesn't matter, you might you know might be cracked, might not sound very good, but God knows your heart. And you can say, I don't know what to say, I don't know where to start, but as you give the grace With all that's in my heart, I will sing, I will praise. Even in my darkest hour, through the sorrow and the pain, I will sing, I will praise. Lift my hands to honor you, because your word is true. I will sing. How many of us can identify with this? How many of us can say it's hard for me to see all the thoughts and all the plans that you have for me, but I'm going to put my trust in you.
3: Heavenly Father, we are grateful. Uh, just for the opportunity to, to know that we, can, that we can talk to you. And, and God, I, I just appreciate just the opportunity to... Uh, to have a focus upon upon prayer and just some of the nuts and bolts about it. But God, I think that what happens in my life so often is that um, it's just something that that I just do. It's almost, sometimes it becomes like it's just punching the clock. Um, but God, I thank you that, that in the, the thing that I've become very familiar with, Lord, that it's good to, to step back and, and to see the blessing of it. I've just simply communicating with you and it's a sign of of showing that, that Lord you are you are worthy of our of our time. And to God you are worthy to talk to about our deepest needs and, and and wants and even desires. Yeah, because God you love us and you care for us and you already know everything about us anyway. And so God, I pray that that through this that we just won't be filled with information, but God that that will be moved to action that will be moved to to talk to you, and uh, God I, I believe so many times we make being a follower of Jesus so much more difficult than it really is uh, God, you just desire our you just desire our heart you desire us to, to love you, and uh, God, I pray that uh, Lord, that we will not make it hard, but God that we'll just simply call out to you, and I pray that as we really put you to the test in that regard god that that we will That we will see that we will sense the presence and the power of god and i really believe god that becomes the fuel for us to talk to you more and more Uh, god thank you for this night Um, i thank you for the the um, the effort the care and the love that was put into this tonight and uh, god may you may you bless may you bless us lord may you bless this church and god not just simply so that we will be blessed but god so that you will be blessed as people look and see who we are as believers, as followers of Jesus, as a part of a body of Christ at Village Church, they will see that there is something unique and different about us because, because Jesus is with us. Uh, God, may we, may we give off the aroma of Christ, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.